Those those kind of practices you guys had are kind of like legendary. Um, oh yeah, you guys, you guys were like the first ones to pretty much have like off season training camp, and I uh, I know it kicked off probably the first time after the Pistons after that game seven of the Pistons. I know yes, it kicked off oh, real yeah. after that. Could you give a little insight into what those were like? I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you, man. Before that, my first year. That was my first year we went to game seven with the Pistons. That was the year Scotty had the migraine. Um, John Paxson hurt his knee in game six when we blew him out at the stadium. And we had momentum going into a game seven. And if those two guys would have been healthy, I think we honestly would have won that game. Um, but, you know, going going into that, that, that last game, you know, we lost. You know, me and BJ had to play a bigger role than probably that Phil probably wanted. Um, Craig Hodges, uh, had to be, you know, play, play in the role of, of John Paxson. They're two different players. Mm-hmm. So we ended up getting beat, you know, Detroit's talking trash, you know, y'all never going to beat us. I just talking trash, you know? So at the end of the game, we're in the locker room. Okay. And so Jerry Krause comes in the locker room, he's kicking towels and stuff and he's all upset and, um, you know, this will never happen again. And really nobody was trying to hear that from him. And, and, you know, RIP Jerry Krause, because he, in my opinion, he's one of the best general managers ever. Mm-hmm. Doesn't Question. get the credit he deserves. Question. Guy was very get, was very passionate about winning and losing. And, you know, he doesn't get the credit he deserves. And But I remember in that locker room, man, guys were crying. You know, guys were, you know, really, really brokenhearted because we lost. We were so mm-hmm. close and we lost. And um, I remember – you know, after Jerry gave his uh, little speech and kicked a couple of towels here and there, you got to now you got to imagine this picture. Jerry's probably about five, four, yeah. like little bitty, little bitty ass legs. <laughs> you, know, you can imagine him out there like a little child in a tantrum <laughs> kicking, to, you know, so so it was hard not to laugh. It was hard, like you know, being a young player, it was hard not to laugh. If you could if you could possibly envision a little five, four guy. Kicking oh, towels, you know, so, so, but we were all, we, we, we were all, we were all broken hearted guys were crying and everything. So even, you know, Michael's like, Jerry, we don't want to hear this shit. You know, Michael's like, we're tired. We, we don't want to hear it. So then Jerry, you know, left and then we want to have players only meeting. And so MJ, I'll never forget this dude. MJ stood up, man. It was one of these man, like you ever seen the movie, the natural with Robert Redford yeah. when he hit the home yeah. run and lightning bolt hits. Yeah. It was kind of one of those moments. You know, where he stands up and everybody's got everybody's attention because, number one, he demands everybody's respect with the way he plays and the way he competes. So it's not like some guy you all sitting there going, man, we ain't trying to hear all this. You know what I'm saying? So he stands up and he he goes down the line. He starts, you know, telling each and every player. First, he says, this will never happen again. We'll never lose to Detroit in the playoff series again. This will this it ends today. Never again. So when he said that, I felt the lightning bolt. You know, like the Gatorade lightning bolt go through me. Boom! I'm like, baby, let's let's go out there and play another quarter, baby. I think we can win now. The way I'm feeling, it's like win one for the Gipper. So, so, he, so, so he hits it with that speech, and he goes down each individual player and says what they need to work on. You, you got to do this X, Y, Z. You got to get tougher. And he went to me and BJ specifically because we were the youngest. And he said, you guys got to spend time in the weight room. You got to get in that gym. You got to work on your game. You got to get mentally tougher. We need more out of you than what you gave us this year. And I'm thinking, damn, I played all 82 games. Now, mm-hmm. when do you know a rookie to play all 82 games? It's, it's not, you don't see it very rare. 
So I thought I did something. I thought I, I was on the all rookie team. I like, damn, he ain't talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> like now I'm talking right to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but I knew I knew he was talking to me. Right. So but I was like, man, how you talking to me? I was on the all rookie team. I played all right. 82 games. Boom, right. boom. So but I, I once again I took it personal. <laughs> so so but every, you could tell after he got up and made that speech to everybody that. Because before that day, the, the summer I came, you know, guys had clicks. They was working out two guys over here, three guys mm -hmm. over here. We didn't do anything together. You know what I'm saying? Everybody worked out, but we just had our little clicks that we worked out with. Uh, that next summer, everybody was in there. We was in the gym, you know, working out in the morning, lifting weights as a group. You know, somebody would make a time. All right, 930, everybody be here. Everybody was there. You had 10, 11 guys there. You know, uh, MJ, MJ had his own personal street coach. But you knew what MJ was doing. So right. it wasn't like he needed, he, you know, he didn't need to work out with Alvin Mill, but he was there for the, the afternoon sessions when we was doing the running and we were playing hoops, wow. you know, scrimmaging. So he was there then. We had the whole team there. And that year, that summer, we became one. You know, you could just tell, like, the mindset was, you know, every man, you know, every man is together now. We're a fist, not a hand. You know, and, uh, you know, we, we just changed our thinking. You know, we changed the way we thought, you know, uh, everybody knew their role because that's what happens a lot. You know, you get on a team and everybody's role is not defined. Mm -hmm. You know, you think that this guy, I, I need to be scoring more. I need to be playing more. And so you get that creeping in. And no matter how good your team is, you're going to come up short because we got guys going in different directions. And I think once everybody realized the pecking order, Number one, MJ top dog. That's it. Eric, now you got to find your way after that. Who's the number two? Who's the number two? Who's the number three? Uh, and so on. And find your find your niche. And once everybody found their role, uh, left the egos at the door. Because you got to remember, you know, everybody on that team was a star at some point. High school, college, they were the man. You know, I came from Oklahoma. I was the man. I averaged damn near 30 points a game as right. a senior in, in college. Oh, I and then I, I, I get drafted here. And the first thing they tell me, Jerry Krause tells me, is that uh, we don't need you to score. Wow. And my first thought process is, why the hell did you draft me? Like, <laughs> you know, let me go somewhere where I can get off. So mm -hmm. he said, your role, your role is going to be, you know, your athleticism, trapping, running the floor, uh, pick and roll defense. He, he defined my role before I even stepped on a court and put a Bulls uniform on. Mm -hmm. And same thing with BJ. You know, your role is this, to come in, you know, to, with the second unit, you know, make sure the second unit gets into the flow of the offense, you know, create shots for people. Me and BJ, our first year, we kind of bucked the system. We were like, "Now nah, we ain't playing this role. And, you know, we were going to do our own thing. And then I, I realized, because I want to win at the end of the day, I'm all about winning. And so once I realized that for me, in order to help this team win, I'm going to have to accept my role, no matter how big or how small it is. In order for us to win, I got to be an important cog in the machine. I'm not going to be the most important part, but I'm going to be a special part in that machine. And that once mm -hmm. you get that in your mind, your whole mindset changes. Yeah, and you definitely were that special part, bro. Like for real, you were that enforcer dude. Like when I think of you, I always think of the finals, uh, game six. You know, that's what always comes to mind. 
yeah. I think you in yeah. Buck Williams and, and that fake charge yeah. Buck Williams tried to take on you. Yeah. Oh, with that oh, he fell hard. Yeah. 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 And, 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 you know, and, you, and you know, the crazy thing about that, you know, the crazy thing about that is, is that, you know, we, we were supposed to lose that game. They were up, yeah. you know, 15, 16 points. Yeah. And you go into a game seven, even though it's at home, you know, game sevens are not guaranteed. You don't know no. who's going to win a game seven. Right. I mean, look at Phoenix this past year. Phoenix get a game seven at the crib. Best team in the NBA. They lose a game seven at home so yeah. it doesn't matter you know because you never know what's going to happen in game seven the pressure of a game seven now i will say this you know we got black jesus in our, in our <laughs> ace of spades, and I, i'm willing I mean, i'm not a betting man boys but i'm willing to bet the house as long as he's on my side we got yeah. a pretty good damn chance to win so you know you got that dude on your squad you got a pretty good damn chance but we're up you know we're down 15 16 points and we're we're sitting at the on the bench the second unit you know, myself, BJ, you know, they all, uh, Bobby Hanson, Scott, we, we're, we're like waiting to get in because we're like, let us get in the game, bro. Like, don't put us in, in no garbage minutes. Let us get in and see if we can come back because we had done that during the year. There have been many games where we came in as a second group and came back and won because our second group was just as good as some. Our second group was better than other teams' second groups because we had yeah, starters. We had starters actually playing role players. So when we came off the bench, our group was always – we were always outscoring the other team's bench. But this particular game, you know, we're down 16, 17. Feels like, all right, guys, go in the game and, and just, you know, play hard. He knew he was going to play hard. But I think his mindset was let's not get embarrassed. Let's cut into the lead. Let's get ready for game seven. I'm sit Michael out. You know, but I'm going to leave Scotty out there because Scotty always worked really well with the second group mm -hmm. because now Scotty becomes the primary player. He's the Jordan of that second group. And right. we love Scotty out there because it was a calming force for us younger players to have Scotty out there. Because one thing about Scotty and MJ, if MJ gave you a pass and you missed it, he in your ass, he's yelling at you, looking at you crazy, you know, he, you know, demonstrative. If Scotty messed up, if you missed a pass on Scotty, Scotty would come over there and nurture you. Don't worry about that. Get the next one. I'm going to hit you again, you know, and that made you feel good about yourself. So you had you had kind of good cop, bad cop with MJ right. and Scotty, you know, right. but you had to be strong mentally. And that's where that's the reason why those guys who ended up being on the championship team stayed on the championship team because they were not just physically good. They were mentally strong and they can handle Phil Jackson getting on you. You can handle Michael getting on you. You can handle anybody else getting on you. And me coming from a military background, nothing you say is going to equal anything my daddy didn't say to me. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So mm. there ain't nothing you can do or say mm. to me that equals anything I grew up with with my my family. So I'm mentally tough. So it never bothered me. So when the game was the game was uh out of reach, 15, 16, everybody's getting ready for game seven. They put us out there. And, uh, you know, Bobby Hanson starts it off with a three. Yep. Um, I scored two. There's another three. Boom. We're trapping, forcing turnovers. They put their starters back out there. And now, you know, now, you know, as we say, pressure bursts pipes. Mm -hmm. And now you got to come off and take the ice off your knees. You got to come in the game now and try to like, oh, my God, we, we're losing momentum. And so uh, next thing you know, we, we got it down to three. And they call a timeout. So we like, yeah, we finna win this. We finna go down in the histories of Chicago Bulls basketball as being the team that snatched the defeat from the Portland Trailblazers. We're gonna go down in history, right? Right. So all of a sudden we hear, Michael, let's go. <laughs> and we sitting there, yo, like we sitting there, like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, we done, you took Michael out because he was struggling. 
You oh, just yeah. Michael out, and we down 16, 17 points. Now you're going to put MJ in there, and now he's going to get the credit for winning. It showed up. And he did. And, and, but you know what? But you know what, though? You know what, guys? I swear to God. Ego, my ego and those guys' egos, we had no egos. It was like, hey, this dude going to help us win this game and get us another ring. All for it. Let's go. Let's go finish it. <laughs> but now, now, but if we would have lost that game and had to go to game seven, we might have had some problems. We, we might have went in field. And field would have had to ask <laughs> some questions. Why did you take out that group that was playing so well to put the starters back in? But we end up winning. And if you remember last dance, it's so funny. Because in the last dance, you know, MJ is – it's really MJ's perspective. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. MJ's be real. perspective in the yeah. last dance. And so right. – um, so in that particular scene, you know, they don't really show MJ on the bench, you know, during that stretch when they were down 16, 17 points. They they made it seem like MJ was in the game the whole time. And, you know, they he he will he willed them to win. He willed them to victory. Like, not. man, we all we all sitting back there like, man, stop lying. He was on the bench. That's you cheering, y'all on. Yeah, you was cheering us all. He was cheering the game. Yeah. yeah, he was over there waving a child like ML yep. Carr. Like, man, you better stop lying. Stop lying. <laughs> and then he at the end, you know, of course, he's gonna run and get the ball and run around. And yeah, and uh, but all, all you know, all, all jokes aside, hey, if it got me a ring, I didn't care if they brought him in anytime, man. Cause I know whenever right. we had that guy on our team, the chance of us winning was great. He was that kind of player. Well, Stacey, I, I that game, I just remember being pissed off because them were the Portland Trailblazers and uh, you know, they dressed up, they were this geek on the court laughing. Yeah, they were. They were. Yeah. And this is one of and this is one of the first times I think ever I've seen a player Michael had a generally you have a bad game, like he wasn't shooting well. But you don't no. shoot well generally you don't shoot well the whole game. Yeah. This, Mike was so good that that he came back in, he hit like four in a row. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, again. I'm like, you can't shoot. He's a better shooting game. You don't have it. Came in like a whole new game started for him. Dude, I'm gonna tell you, listen, when I tell when everybody talks about the greatest player. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't grow up in Will Chamberlain's era, so I, I can't comment on if he's the greatest. But, but and, and Bill, Bill Russell being the guy who's won the most rings, you know, um, I, you know, I didn't play, I didn't play in that era, you know. But mm-hmm. I played with, I played with Black Jesus, and I'm gonna <laughs> tell you something. I'm gonna tell you something. That dude, I used to say, he had a direct line to the man upstairs. Seriously, <laughs> like if God was playing NBA 2K, MJ was his creative player. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he all he all 99 he got he got every ability at 99 and, and he up there playing god up there playing same thing with golf he tiger woods he got right. tiger woods too you know he right. got all like the great people god is up there playing 2k or or uh golf wow. and mj is his creative player and let me tell you something man i i remember in a game in atlanta it might have been my rookie year MJ sprains his ankle. It's like a second degree sprain. And mm-hmm. the Atlanta Hawks fans were like cheering that he got hurt, you know? So we think we had to carry him to the locker, you know, bring him into the locker room. So we think he's done. Ankle swole up like a balloon. So, you know, if you had a sprained ankle, you know how that feels. And then for a player like Michael with his ability and the way he jumps and his athleticism, you know, that's got to be painful. Okay. So, so all of a sudden, man, third quarter, comes out Michael and came out to start the second half and we start the second half without him and then all of a sudden man they uh the hawk Harry the hawk their little mascot oh yeah, okay? yeah he had he had some kind of skit going uh he was supposed to be Superman so they mm-hmm. was playing the Superman theme in the in the building 
And so they had this dry ice on the on the end of the Atlanta Hawks uh, bench. So the Hawk was supposed to come out with a Superman costume on. He's supposed to be on roller skates and he was going to come out that dry ice to the Superman thing. OK, so here comes the Superman thing, you know, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, you, we all looking like, you know, you know, sometimes you get caught up in the in the in the hype of the mascot. Yeah, sure. All of a sudden, here come MJ out the out the out the smoke <laughs> to the Superman thing, you know, and I can't tell you how the Superman theme goes now because I always get it mixed up. But if you, you yeah, so so all this dry ice is in the in the in the tunnel. And and so we all like waiting, you know, we waiting to see, you know, the hawk because it's it's a timeout, so we wait for the hawk to come out. And here he hawk's coming out the Superman. So all of a sudden we expecting a hawk. Here comes MJ, number 23, walking out. <laughs> and he comes out and went for like 45, dude. Went for 45. Went for 45 with a second degree sprained ankle that he could barely walk on. Wow. It was unbelievable, dude. Hey, listen, I, I got I got a ton of stuff. I man, I can write a book about some of this stuff, man. Yeah, man. MJ, MJ, here's another one. Okay, mm-hmm. remember LeBradford Smith? Oh, yeah. Played in Louisville. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh so so LeBradford was a rookie and he comes in, you know, they they had him compared as the next MJ, yada, 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 when he was at Louisville. Very athletic, you know, athletic two guard. Anybody that was always looking for the next MJ. Harold Miner was the next MJ. Yeah. You know, Jordan, so they, 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 yeah. baby Jordan, yeah. So they had yeah. all these. None of them was no MJ. The closest, the closest player to MJ, if you want to say, was the MJ was Kobe. Kobe, that's the yeah, no question. Kobe's the closest one ever. Okay, mm-hmm. so so LeBradford Smith comes in. This is when we play back to back games. Like they play once, and we play uh, Friday night at the, the old stadium, and then turn around and fly out and go play them in their home arena on a Saturday oh, night. Yeah, that was the old back to back. You know, these yeah. players talking about they need they need rest now. They don't know what rest is. So <laughs> so LeBradford Smith comes in. He comes in, guys, and has a career game uh, in, in Chicago. It's like I think he had like 30, 30 some points. I don't remember what it was, but he was hitting off. Michael was guarding. He's hitting everything fadeaways. And, and, you know, he wasn't talking trash. He wasn't saying nothing. Most people be like talking trash, mm-hmm. you know, but he was having a great game. And MJ was frustrated because, he you know, we end up winning the game. But this dude had like 30 something. You know, mm-hmm. and so uh, so MJ's mad on the plane. You know, we normally play cards as we fly into the next city, especially after you win. And so MJ wouldn't play cards. MJ in his little parlor, he closed the door, you know, wouldn't had his black Ray-Bans on. And now how in the hell are you doing a black Ray-Bans on at <laughs> one o'clock in the morning? So so you can only imagine that look because, you know, MJ always dressed to a T. MJ yeah. had, the, you know, the nice two, three piece suit on, mm-hmm. but he got the Ray-Ban glasses on. It's like one thirty in the morning. And there ain't no sun and there ain't no light, but he didn't want to see nobody. So he go in a little parlor, go to sleep. MJ very seldom went to sh- uh, went to shoot before the games. Like he never, you never saw MJ come out like you see the players come out and warm up before yeah. the games. Mm-hmm. MJ never did that. MJ always stayed in the locker room, and he had a ritual, man, where <laughs> he had a ritual where he would be, you know, on the toilet and he'd be reading the uh, he'd be reading the scouting report, and he'd watch film before the game. All these little rituals. So he would never go out and shoot. But this particular game. He caught a taxi over to the arena to get some shots up early. And so we knew LeBradford Smith was in trouble when he wasn't on that bus. We like, where did MJ at? You know, MJ, oh, he went over early. Like, oh the Lord, this is all this boy, this, it's been it's been to be a murder up in the Capitol Center. So MJ come out, dude. I swear to God, man, it was like 
MJ hit like the first 18 points of the game. It was like MJ 18, Wizards four. And so, so it was, and you knew it was going to be one of those kind of games. Mm-hmm. And so he was hitting everything. Boom, 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 boom. And we're, we're beating the tar out of them. So MJ, I think, had like 30, 30 something at halftime. Okay. At half, yeah. half. So MJ is walking out the game. Now, Phil knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. Phil knows it. Phil knows that Michael is deliberately sending a message to this kid that, you know, you not me. You had a lucky game. Now I'm going to destroy you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So as Michael's walking out right before halftime, it's probably like 30 seconds. So Phil's going to take him out. So Michael walks past the kid and says, it took you four quarters to get 35 or whatever he had. It took me two quarters to get it. And then he walked off. And you can see, like, like it was like when a Mortal Kombat, when the, when the, when the guy says, get over here, right, and then, like, yeah, snatches yeah. his heart out. It was one, and then and hold it. It was, like, one of those moments. And you could actually see the Bradford Smith's life go out of him. Like, he was not the same player after that, dude. And then so so MJ comes back in. They started, and Phil had told him, he said, all right, Michael, well, you know, we're winning the game. I'm going to leave you out there, you know, five or six minutes, and then we're done. So MJ goes out there, and I think he scores 40-something plus. He could have easily had – he could easily scored 60. Right. And uh, so he walked He walked past the kid, and he, he said, hey, some nights is like this. <laughs> and he walked off. <laughs> and and you could just see the kids just, like, just destroyed, dude. And if you go back and you look at LeBradford Smith's career, it was never the same. Never the same. Never the same, dude. And, and, and that's and, – and, and that's when – that my my very first this is when I knew MJ was a bad dude seriously like yeah. I knew he was a bad dude my first my first time really knowing MJ was a bad dude we're playing Cleveland and that was a rivalry because the year before oh, they yeah. had beat him with the shot yep. and so we're playing them on like the first first couple of games of the year we're playing them in Cleveland too, man. Yeah. yes really good team mm-hmm. and so it's a rivalry game you know the, the fans are still mad at MJ for hitting that shot you know boom mm-hmm. boom so then they got Gerald Wilkins. You know, they yeah, brought in Gerald yeah. Wilkins. And so, and MJ was one of these guys, man, seriously. MJ, it seemed like MJ read every paper that, <laughs> every, it didn't matter if we were playing somebody in New York, you read New York paper. He wanted to hear what people said about him. So mm-hmm. he read an article about Gerald Wilkins that they brought him there from New York. Uh, he was the Jordan stopper. You know, this is why they brought me here, my success against Michael. And I'm thinking, when did you have success against Michael? He averaged about 35 against you. If you call that success, I mean, right. keeping a person under 60, that's successful. But the dude averaged 35. What are you talking about success? So they bring him to Cleveland. He's talking trash. So MJ said, MJ, like, okay, Jordan stopper, huh? Okay. All right. We'll see. So before the game, this is when you knew you was in trouble with MJ. MJ never sought you out and said, hey, what's up, Dave? Hey, what's up, Chris? How y'all doing? If you talked to MJ and went up to him and go, hey, hey, MJ, how you doing? He knew he had you. You, He was done. Mm-hmm. Cause you try to, you try to, you coming at him now. You scared of him, you know what right. I'm saying? So right. now he know that, and so he's just gonna attack your fears, like like Freddy Krueger. He's gonna be in a nightmare. <laughs> he's gonna be in your nightmare, bro. So so we play in Cleveland, and he's killing them. It was one of them games like the Bradford Smith, where it's like MJ 24, Cleveland six, and it's on TNT. He killing dude. He killing. And I'm like, oh my god. So he ends up, he ends up scoring. Uh, 69 that night, yeah. 69 points. Okay, so we're in the locker room. It's my first rebounds. big game. Yep, yeah. 18. So I'm in the locker room. So they, the press, come to me. Oh, Stacy, you know what do you think about Michael's game? And have you ever seen anything like this? And been part of this kind of scoring and a guy being in the zone? And so me, you know, being quick witted, you know, I said, oh man, 
this is going to be the night that everybody remembers. This will be the night I'm going to remember that me and Michael combined for 70. <laughs> and so, 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 you know, and I was only saying that not to be funny, but to, to let my, my boys back in Oklahoma know that me and Michael went to work. You know, like, like, Mike, like Michael scored 30, I scored like 32 or something, and we combined for 70. I didn't even put it in context that it was I was being like being funny, oh, you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so that and I said, This is gonna be the night I, I remember that me and Michael combined for 70. MJ scored 69, I scored one, a free throw. Yo, Stacy, that game literally, <laughs> literally, I think some guy, some guy broke down all the top games in NBA history, the stat wise. That yep. game, that stat wise, that game is the best individual individual game ever in NBA history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I and I was part of it, dude. Assists, the steals, the blocks. Yeah, yeah. yeah like yeah, six assists. Yeah. Yeah, 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 six assists. I'm telling you, man. Like, I mean, the, the, the guy was unbelievable. I mean, yeah. and you talk about you talk about like you know his competitive nature, man. He hated losing anything. It didn't matter yeah. if it was cards. It didn't matter if it was free throw shooting contests. He had to win every single thing we played and when we beat them it which was rare we let them know like we beat them in the scrimmage boy me and bj run around trying to cut the net down like we won national <laughs> championship he'd be he'd be so mad you know it would be it would be in it would it would be we always would scrimmage the day before the game and we'd end the practices on the scrimmage we go to seven and mj would always beat us they'd have him and scotty on the same team and, you know, we're going up against two Hall of Famers. We didn't know were Hall of Famers at the time yeah. or two of the top players at their position, you know. And um, how can you not get better going against those guys every day? You know what I'm saying? Okay. But we we would never beat them. We would never beat them in scrimmage. And then when we did beat them, it was very rare. So if we played them 10 times, you know, we beat them once, you know. And the one time we beat them, you know, me and BJ be running around like we won a national championship. <laughs> you know, we talking trash. I'm trying to cut the net down. And, and he'd get mad. He would get mad like, Phil, run it back. No, run it back. We playing one more. <laughs> and then my then Phil be like, Michael, we got a game tomorrow. I don't care. <laughs> run it back. Run it back. And then we we'd have to play. We have to play him. And then he would get his win back. And it'd be like, man, Phil, you soft. And you, <laughs> man, yeah. And when when we when he win, we gotta listen to it. And then there would be time. There would be times where Phil would give him the give him the uh, scrimmage off. Say, Michael, I want you off. I want to see Scotty lead. And so Scotty would run the team against with the starters, and then yeah. go against the second team. Well, we beat him. Uh, oh, it, it was yeah. uh, we beat him. We beat him way more than we beat MJ. So <laughs> MJ, and so we'd be running over there. Me and me and BJ, we'd run over there, and we'd be like Black Cat because we called him the Black Cat. Like Black Cat. Where are you at, boy? Where are you at? They need you. They can't beat us without you. They can't beat us. Yeah, we beat your boys today, so we talking trash. And he'd be like, Phil, Phil, let's go. Run it back. Like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going home. I'm going home. I ain't playing you again. Then we play the next day, and they would beat us like 7 to 0, 7 to 1. <laughs> they, 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 would whoop, they would whoop our butt, man. Seriously. That's amazing. Um, let me ask. Let me ask you this thing here. Then, I, then we got to talk about the Bulls um, team now. Um, we asked everybody who's ever come on here, who's ever played. We also asked them this question. Give. I want to know, and I'm, I'm gonna change it up for you because I'm very interested in this. I'd like to know your greatest game that you have ever played, and but I want to know your high school, your college, and your pro one. The greatest games that you have played at those three levels. Oh man. Um... High school, high school in the uh, super regional to get to uh, the final four in high school. I had uh, 
playing in, it was number one team versus number two team. We really should have met in the finals, but we ended up being in the same regional mm-hmm. and uh, scoring like 32 points, like 18 rebounds, you know, four or five blocks, you know, and, and knocked them, knocked them out of the, cause they had beat us early in the season uh, when I wasn't there. Uh, cause my coach benched me for uh, set me out because I went on a college visit, you know? And so he got mad at me for, for missing a practice. So he benched me. They ended up beating us by about 25. They was talking trash and a couple of more, my AU teammates. So they was, you know, giving me the business. Yeah. And so we got a chance to play them again to the trip to the big game, the trip to the, uh, to the final four. Mm-hmm. And uh, we beat them and I gave them, gave them work. And that was a big game there. <laughs> and then my college game, uh, playing against UNLV running rebels mm. in, uh, in, in Nevada, Las Vegas. Mm. Um, and it was the year before Larry Johnson came. So they had, they had, you know, Anderson hunt, Greg, Anthony, hunt, uh, yeah. Stacy Augman. Yep. They had that whole complete team that mm. they had minus Larry Johnson. Okay. And so, and they were, they were a top 10 team and we, we had just came back from the Maui classic. And uh, we had beat them in the semifinals to play Michigan in the finals of the Maui Classic. And they were talking trash the whole game. And, you know, you and you ain't this. You and they're just talking trash. And then wait till you come to Vegas. Wait till you come to Vegas. So I'm like, okay, cool. Wait till I come to Vegas. I'm going to give y'all the business too. So we go to Vegas. We go to Vegas. And Don King was recruiting me. He had just got into the basketball uh, agent Stop business. And he had, he had a young Mike Tyson. So that was when Mike Tyson was like the heavyweight champion of the world. Wow. And he was at, he was at the baddest part of his career. Yeah, and so yeah. Don King was recruiting me, you know, uh, to be my agent. So he was at wow. the game and Mike Tyson was at the game. Wow. So that gave me, that gave me some extra incentive. Okay. So, and I had broke my finger uh, early in the year. So I was playing uh, with a hurt finger with uh, mm. a screws in my finger. So mm. I wasn't a hundred percent, but you would have known it. Cause you know, when you got that adrenaline, you got the champ in the building, yeah. you know, he, he was just, <laughs> we, we, he was just a year older than me. So we still with kids, you know? So, and, and then you had Tyson there, you had a bunch of uh, stars there in Vegas, Wayne Newton and the, uh, the people that do the line, uh, the lion tiger people, Sigrid uh, Sigrid Freud, they, all these people were there. It was a huge yeah. game. It was packed, like, you know, whatever, 19, 20,000 people. And so when they're playing, you know, we're number one, they're like number five in the nation. And, you know, I remember them talking trash and all this stuff. And uh, needless to say, I gave them work. I scored uh, 49. Oh I scored, I should have, I should have scored, I should have scored 60 that day, but I missed a lot of free throws. I, I think I missed, okay. I think I missed like 10 or 12 free throws. Okay. So I should have had like, uh, and Danny Ferry, the game before that had 56 uh, against, wow. against like Richmond, against the, you know, sisters of the poor. So I, I also, <laughs> I, I also had that in mind. Because I was battling him for player of the year and Sean Elliott. So yeah. we all three were battling player of the year. And that year we all split player of the year. Each mm-hmm. one of us was player of the year in, in some publication. So we were battling for that all year. So when he had 56 against the Sisters of the Poor, I said, man, if I have a big game like this against Vegas, that's going to put me on the map. So I ended up having 49, which is still to this day an opposing player's record. Uh, in wow. in Thomas Mac Arena, yep, total wow. forty nine point. And uh, Jimmer Fredette almost broke it. Oh, and don't say, yeah. yeah, Jimmer when he was at BYU, they yeah. was playing the conference tournament there, and I think he had forty four. He was close. He was close. <laughs> you were like, hey, hey, I was over there like the Miami Dolphins and Mercury Morris. I was like, hey, <laughs> hey, don't don't call me until you're on my block. 
He was on my block, baby. I got a page and say, Jimmy, Jimmy's getting ready to break your record. King, what you gonna do about it? I said, ain't nothing I can do about it. I just gotta put a mojo on him. I had to get like a little voodoo doll. Shake it, shake it. But you know how, but you know how hard it is to score 40 in the college yes. game now. Yeah, it's it's almost that. impossible. It's almost impossible with the way the game is played now for a player to get 49, 50 points yeah. in the game. You know, yeah. back then it was a little bit easier, but it's harder now. But uh, that's a record that still stands today, which I'm proud of. Um, and then after the, what made the thing so sweet is we won on national TV. Al McGuire, the great uh, late Al McGuire oh, was yeah. doing it. And, and, um, and Billy Pat, not Billy Packer, but uh, uh, what's a, uh, what is his other name? Um, it's not coming to me now. But the number one team in NBC was uh, – was uh, Coach McGuire. He was the main guy. Dick Emberg. Dick Emberg. Oh, It was Dick Emberg. That's how big the game was. Wow, Dick Emberg yeah. and Al McGuire there. And then we had all the superstar players. So after the game, Don, I was doing an interview. So uh, Mike Tyson came in the locker room and met all the players. And where's Stacey King? And where's Stacey King? Oh, he's out there. So the PR people ran and got me. He said, Don King and Stacey King, you know, uh, Mike Tyson want to meet you. So I run into the locker room. And, uh, you know, they was like, Mike Tyson, I'm, I'm shopping up with Mike, boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, oh, this is, oh, this is cool. You know, because he, that's, that's when he was knocking everybody out, you know, yeah, with right. the no socks and no, you know, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah, towel with a cutout. And he was just coming in beating people up. Oh, so, yeah. so he tells me that night, he said, hey, uh, I'm going to send a limo to your hotel. I'm going to pick you up and we're going to go out and hang out. Boom, boom, boom. And I was friends with Stacey Augman and some of the guys on Vegas. And they was like, they was like, what you doing now? What you getting into tonight? What's going on? And I said, man, Mike Tyson, you know, is coming to get me. You know, he's like, oh, for real? I said, yeah, man. He's like, man, y'all should come to this party, blah, blah, blah. So he got brought a stretch limo, picked up me and some of my teammates. And we hung out with Mike Tyson all night long. All know, night long, awesome, dude. Man. And it was, it was, it was so cool because he was, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when you, you know, when you, you a, a kid like that, you know, he's the heavyweight champion of the world. He's surrounded by all these older people mm. pulling at him a thousand different ways. And then for him to be able to find some kids his own age, yes. to be able to hang out with, you can only imagine how that felt for him. And That's that we point. didn't, that we didn't act like all these other people around him. Like, you know, we didn't, I'm not saying we didn't kiss his ass because I mean, shit, I was excited mm. hanging out with him, but we didn't. But we didn't, we didn't, you know, we didn't do all that stuff that normal people do. Like, oh my God, oh my. no, we was like, I mean, I was like, that's my Tyson, I'm Stacey King. You know, right, right, I ain't right, knocking right. no, I I ain't knocking nobody out, but I'm, I'm giving brothers bucket. Yeah. I'm giving yeah. brothers bucket. So, you know, but he was he was so down to earth, he was so cool. Uh no, no, like no attitude, no nothing. And we hung out all night. I mean, we went, we were supposed to leave the next morning, like 10 o'clock. And we didn't get in till like eight in the morning. Mm. And uh so we we was like, we told the coach, like, hey man, can we stay another night, man? Like, <laughs> like you're like, we've been out all night, brothers is tired, and like, yeah. no, nah, we going home, ain't you? That's what you get. You run with the big dogs, you stay on the porch. That's this <laughs> shit. Hanging out. If I'm hanging out with Mike Tyson, I'm jumping off the porch. You can believe that. Yeah. I heard that one, man. So what <laughs> what was your what was your best one uh as a professional, like in, in the NBA? What was your uh, best game? Man. man. I would I would I would say there's there, I mean there's there's some like you know whenever Bill Cryer would would sit out and I would be able to move into as a starter and and Phil would put me in the starting lineup you know I was NBA Player of the Week and I was NBA Player of the Week a couple of times during that stretch 
I was on the all rookie team, but I think if I go back to my biggest, my biggest game is in that finals uh, against Portland, you know, coming in when everybody thought it was over mm-hmm. and like, you know, didn't expect anything from myself or everybody who was on the floor at that time and hitting some huge baskets in that comeback, you know, against, it wasn't against a Rudy Buck team. It was against a starters, you know, and being able to go out there and be, you know, help my team win a championship in a critical moment uh, when the game is on the line, that, that probably is the pinnacle. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. All right, let's let's talk about these bulls, Stace. Uh, these bulls that we got right here that's going on right now. Uh, six seed in, in the playoffs this season. Uh, started off as the best team in the East uh, for the first half of the year, which I'm sure was just incredibly fun to call for you. You can hear it. Uh, you can hear it. Uh, how happy you uh, are to watch listen, a good basketball team. Because you, you, you definitely, what I love about you, Stacey, like you can tell the pulse of Bulls Nation by how you speak about a team, just about where your excitement level is. Yes, you know how good yes, a team is. Yes. And I appreciate yeah, you. That. You know what? You know what? What I try to do, you know, even when the down years when they were down, you know, and I think that's why I have so so much of a fan base. And and I was able to, you know, I, I was able to bridge, you know, be a bridge to the good times now, you know, because mm-hmm. you know when a team doesn't play well and they're getting beat by 25 or 30 people turning the channels. You know, they don't want to watch the game. I ain't listening to this. But a lot of people stayed tuned in because of me and Neil, you know, during those lean years. Mm-hmm. And we kept people entertained. And, you know, people want to hear what Stacey and Neil got to say tonight and where they, how they, they're making us laugh. And, yeah, we get beat by 30, but I'm entertained. You know yes. what I'm saying? And, yeah, my, my boys got beat, but I had a good time listening to Stacey and Neil. And now it's, you know, Stacey and Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so um, sometimes we get spoiled. You know, I mean, you know, we had the Derrick Rose years where we were winning, you know, and, mm-hmm. and Derek Derek was one of the main reasons why, and that team was one of the reasons why I've been elevated to where I am today because, right. you know, I got lucky. You know, you don't get, you know, most people don't get a chance to call an iconic player's games. You know, think about how Johnny Red Kerr was with Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. You know, think about how he felt every night knowing that you got this, this godly player to call a game to every night. Think about Magic Johnson, you know, Larry Bird. You know, you get these iconic players, man, that you get for 10, 12 years that you get to call their games and the excitement that they that you see and the 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 showmanship that they bring, it makes your job easier. So here I come, you know, my first my first go around, I get Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. You know, I get Derrick Rose and, and Derrick Rose is like a Haley's Comet. And everybody knows what Derrick Rose means to Chicago. You know, especially inner city Chicago, what right. he means. You know, he, he's a beacon of light. You know, he's a hope for a lot of kids uh, to let them know oh, that you yeah. can get out of your situation, no matter how bleak it may be. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, surround yourself again with positivity, uh, you put the work in and get get a support group around you that can help elevate you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's well loved in Chicago, you know. So uh, having that kind of kid come in here, man, and he just – you know, I remember him saying, why can't I be MVP? Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody laughed at him because, you know, LeBron at that time was at the height of his superpowers. And, you know, people like laughing at Derek. You know, Derek wasn't a Derek wasn't a bragging type of guy. Derek wasn't a guy that beat his chest. And Derek was a guy like, I'm going to destroy you. You know, if you saw him in high school, I remember Derek Rose in high school. And I'm thinking, Jesus, this dude could walk to the NBA right now and play. Mm-hmm. Like he was he, – I'd never seen a kid – 
of his size with that much athleticism. When you talk about a 50-inch vertical, yeah. he had a 50-inch vertical. Like his, right. The way he jumped and dunked on people in high school was – I'd never seen that before. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. so to see him in person and come here with the Bulls and watching him at Memphis and seeing they came so close to winning the national championship and then we getting him, you know, and uh, he just took off. And you knew, you knew right when he, as soon as he put that Bulls jersey on, he put the city on his back. Yeah, he he took that, he took that personal, like he took, he put the city on his back and mm-hmm. he, he was like a Haley's Comet and man, you know, basketball can be cruel sometimes, you know, I mean, uh, Derek is still, in my opinion, I, I know a lot of people are like, no, no, no. If you, if you talk about Draymond Green being a Hall of Famer, why Derek Rose name being a oh, Hall do of that. Famer? Don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that's that's what people. I hear people. I I hear people saying. I hear people talking. You know, oh, you know, Draymond Green's a Hall of Famer. You know, a Hall of Famer. Uh, and I and I I disagree with that. I do. Mm. I mean, you're playing with Hall of Famers doesn't make you a Hall of Famer. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, they compare him to Dennis Rodman. You ain't doing the same things Dennis Rodman was doing. It's a big difference. A big difference. And so. Uh, is he a is he a, is he a good player? Yeah, he's a good player in the system. So when you talk about Derrick Rose, you know Derrick Rose uh, with injury, you know with the injury before injury, Derrick Rose is a top three player in this league. Sure. There was guards in this league that feared Derrick Rose. There's still guards in this league that fear Derrick Rose. We we used to laugh about it when Chris Paul was playing with the L.A. And you know whenever they had to play Derrick Rose, guards would mysteriously get the we call it the, the the Rose flu. Guys got the flu when they wanted to play at home because they didn't want to be embarrassed in yeah. their gym against Derrick Rose. Yeah. They would they would always show up sick, hurt. Uh, I got a hamstring injury. You know, uh, the only the only guy that I only two guys that I actually would say that didn't do that that welcomed the challenge was uh, uh, Westbrook mm-hmm. and uh, and Dame Lillard. Those yep. two guys always showed right. up and played. But there's I mean, listen, I ain't gonna call out everybody, but I do know there's quite a few people. <laughs> they got the D Rose flu when D Rose was terrorizing everybody. I mean, so, and, and before he got hurt, I mean, think about, I mean, look how close they were to get into the finals with, with a, with an average team because yeah. of him. Yeah. Very, I, I mean, think you, about this. You had Keith Bogans as your two guard and not taking anything away from Keith Bogans, <laughs> not taking anything away from Keith, Keith Bogans, but you got Keith Bogans as your two guard. You know, and you're not going to win with Keith Bogans uh, as your two card. Keith Bogans is a, really. is a is a role player. Guy comes off, you know, and plays defense, whatever, but not as your primary scorer, your number two or number three guy. Right. I'm glad you brought up the matchups of the point guard because we, we, when, when Derek Rose played against point guards, he was always – it's clearly that he was better than your – better than. I remember yes. he used to destroy Kyrie Irving. You thought Kyrie Irving was good? Oh, okay. yeah. Derek Rose crossing yeah. the you start Steph Curry. Steph Curry cannot stand there, Rose. He nope. would be worse than Curry. No, and it was, and and, and that it was a difference. So don't and, I hate and, when people and, don't know, you know? And 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 those two guys. I mean, uh, Kyrie had the Derrick Rose flu sometimes, didn't show up to play, and so mm-hmm. you know Derrick Rose gave fear to people. You know, just like LeBron does people, Derrick Rose gave guards the fear because mm-hmm. he was he was such a he was such a powerful uh, electric. Guard. I mean, someone at six foot three that plays like he's six seven, six eight. Okay, mm-hmm. someone with the speed, like from end to end, the fastest guard in the league from ninety four feet. Okay, mm-hmm. a guy that could stop and go. Like, I mean, 
his his stop and go and his acceleration from zero to 100, like he had a chip in him, you know, like he had a speed chip. Like he was crazy. And you watch some of the things he did and the moves that he made. And I'm telling you, it's like, holy wow. Like I'm, I'm watching something that is going to go down as one of the greatest guards ever. I, literally, I think Derrick Rose is the fastest player to ever play basketball. He's up there. I, I would say for his generation of guys, I mean, John Wall is pretty fast with the ball and Westbrook is pretty fast, but Derrick was controlled fast. There's a difference. There's, there's, a, difference. A, play, there's a play. I remember, that's why I used to love when they go, when Westbrook would go, get, would go up against him. There was a play, and I remember people, no, that was, it was a big debate, but it was talking to who's fast or whatever. And I remember a couple of plays. There's one play particularly on home. And I remember Derek took the ball. I had never seen anybody run as fast with the ball in my life. And oh, it, was yeah. a, it was like a final song. And he blew back Westbrook. What, man, what, and you, it was a difference. Like Westbrook was fast. Yeah. But when, when Derek went peak, I was like, what was that? I, I literally had to stop myself. Like, did he just run that fast with the ball? I, I've seen I, him. I've seen never, him go from ninety-four feet with four seconds on the clock and get a layup. Yeah, I, 90, 94 feet with four less than four seconds on the clock, and then you got to you got to factor in you're going up against the defense. You're not going straight line to the basket. You're you know you zigzagging and going to wherever you got to go. I mean, under four seconds. I mean, he when I when I used to say he he was like he's on the autobahn. He's like a Ferrari with uh, you know Hyundai's basically every night, you know, that's how fast he was, but not only was his, his quickness, you know, he made his teammates better. You know, he was a good guard. He could read, he could make passes, uh, his shots, you know, people t- always talked about his shot and, you know, early in Derek's career, they complained that he wasn't a true point guard. Okay. Oh, he's not a true point guard. That's your point guard. Okay. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. Now Derek Rose, since injury, he has now learned how to be a true point guard. So mm-hmm. now he makes his team better. He's he sees vision. The Knicks were a totally different team before when he was there, and then when he got hurt. The Knicks would be in the playoffs if Derrick Rose would not have missed all those games this year due to injury. I agree. That's real. The, the one thing I, I'm really upset about, real quick, is that I remember when LeBron James, you know, pretty much the Bulls had no one else to dribble the ball, and Derrick Rose was guarded by James and Wade. And I remember comment Derrick Rose, Derrick Rose made. He said, "I got something for him next time." And he got hurt. When he said that, I believe him. I yeah. believe that that he didn't get hurt. He was going to find some way to get by LeBron. Yeah, yeah we, we, you know, we, we, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. That the one game where LeBron hit that bucket in the corner that won the game for him at the yeah. end of the game, yeah. and and, and that right there, yeah. that 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 tied it at two. That we win that game is three one. We we we're on our way. Yeah. If we get Agreed. a stop there, if we get a stop there, we win that game, and we go up three one in the series. And, you know, Cleveland is, is, you know, their mindset now is totally different, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he hit that big shot. That's what superstar players do. You know, big time right. players make big time shots. So you can't hate on the man for, for you know, being in position and taking that shot because a lot of, like I said, that's what superstars get paid for. You know, how many times we've seen Derrick Rose hit shots? Derrick Rose hit some game winners and shots like that. That's what superstar players do. They're not afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not afraid of the moment. You know, they, you know, like Jordan was one was the, was big at it. Bird was is the same way. You know, if I if I take if I take ten of these game winning shots, I'm gonna make sixty percent of them, and six my sixty percent is better than your twenty percent. Mm-hmm. So you know that's the way they they live dangerously, and that's why you're superstars. That's why you have superstars, and then you have guys who are stars. There's a big difference. Mm, that's mm-hmm. real. And speaking of uh, the superstars and stars, the ones we have on this team now, um, guys like Demar Derozan and Zach Levine. Now. 
I think we know that what you're going to get from DeMar and what we're going to get from Zach and what they have to do for this team to be good. But Stacey, who has to be that guy for this team to actually take that next step and probably make a nice solid run in the playoff? Who has to be like that dude that has to get it together? Well, I'm, I'm going to say Vooch because, okay. you know, the, the, you know, DeMar and, and Zach, you know what you're going to get out of them. They're capable of scoring 30 every night. Okay, so you already know that. And if one is hot, the other one can get hot. You're, you know what you're going to get offensively out of that. Now, now, granted, those two guys have to step their defense up. Let's just be honest. They got to be. They got to play two way. They got to be two way players. Because if you've not, if you've watched anything in this championship series, even Steph Curry's trying to play defense. Okay, yeah, yeah. so you know Steph Curry's defense has gotten so much better. It's, it's night and day compared to where it used to be. They used to just let him hide him and push him around and let him guard the weakest guy. And now he's actually moving and moving his feet and defending guards, and they're not switching all the time. Zach has to get to being a better defensive player. He's too good of an athlete not to be a good two-way player. He should be tops in steals, top 10 in steals with his athleticism. Uh, DeMar can be a much better defensive player. You know, he may not have the quickness that he used to have, but still be a positional defensive player where he's keeping guys in front of him or being attentive to know where to rotate to and where to get out to shooters. You know what I'm saying? Vooch, uh, in my opinion, is the key to everything this year. Um, you know, that's also with, you know, AK and Mark filling some spots that they need. But mm -hmm. we're talking about the core group right now. Um, you know, Vooch has to play big. If you've, if you've seen anything in this playoff series, when Boston uses their big guys, they're, they're beating Golden State easily. True. When they go to that, I'm going to shoot threes. I'm going to try to play three for three with Golden State. They've lost every game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when, when Al Horford has a good game, Williams has a good game. And I'm not just talking about rebounding and blocking shots. I'm talking about scoring around the hoop, you know, right. finishing at the rim, points in the paint. They're tough to beat because mm -hmm. Golden State doesn't have the size to match up with them. Big is still big. I don't care what anybody says. You know, all analytics, like analytics, oh, we got to shoot threes, got to shoot threes. But at the end of the day, big is still big. You mm -hmm. know, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm going into the game with, with King Kong and you going into the game with, uh, with, uh, with uh, Michael Jackson's uh, monkey bubbles, who you think, oh, if I throw the ball into King Kong, how many points you think he's going to score? And if you throw the ball in the bubbles, how many points he's going to score? There's a big difference. There's a big difference. Size still matters in this league. Hey, bubbles oh, got a J, man. Come on, be bubbles alone, man. He got nice yeah, man, bubbles, bubbles ain't scoring his size. Footwork. Bubbles going to be shooting. Bub, hey, Bubbles going to be in the pick and roll, shoot three, just like Steph Curry. <laughs> King, King, Kong, King Kong putting it on your head. He putting that's it on your head. You know, so that's, that's what I'm saying. So, Vooch next year. It's a contract year for him. This is why yeah. I think it's going to be big for Vooch because when you're in that contract year and his age, the way he's at, this might be his last big contract. So he's going to be yeah. playing out his mind. You might get a Vooch. You might get a Vooch that goes back to being all-star caliber Vooch next year, you know, where he's getting 20 and 15. You know what I'm saying? And that's so point. that's why I think that's going to help the Bulls. Now what's going to happen is, is that, okay, he gets that, you know, he puts up those numbers. Now the Bulls in a dilemma, you know, because now you just paid Zach his money, uh, mm -hmm. obviously, because he's on a squad. So you gave him max dollars. You know, are you going to pay Vooch, a guy who's going to be 32, 33 years old, you know, 100 plus million? You know, that's, you know, and then now you get in a situation like this. Do we flip, do they flip Vooch at trade deadline? 
and get somebody else in here and, and use Vooch's numbers to parlay that in the first round pick and a, and a star player that can help us win right now. Mm. You know, that's, that's the dilemma you're in. That's why it's tough being AK and Mark um, because you can't let, like we did a few years ago with Pal Gasol. Pal Gasol mm. was an unrestricted free agent and, you know, the Bulls let him walk at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even get a first-round pick. We didn't get nothing. And he left, and we could have we could have traded him to get a first-round pick mm-hmm. because a guy like Powell was a starter at that time, future Hall of Famer, and he still had two years, solid yeah. two years left because he went to all San Antonio NBA. and played, and he was mm-hmm. all NBA. So you got to at least get a first-round pick for that. You can't let a guy walk. You know, so that would be that that would be the situation that you have with Vooch is that if the Bulls say, hey, let's he's rolling with us. We got good chemistry. Let's roll this year out and see what happens. And then at the end of the year, he decide like he get, goes for more money. You know, it doesn't go for a team discount or whatever, because uh, you got to expect the guy at his stature. You know, you're not going to have too many big contracts left. So you want to you know try to maximize what you can. And you can't be mad at the player for doing that. That's real. Oh, you can't. Looking looking at um the young guys though, Stacey. Uh and I'm gonna throw Kobe in this, even though you know it's 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 kind of fluid about if he'll still be here or not, but I'm gonna throw him in this though. But looking at Kobe, looking at Io, looking at Patrick Williams, whose progression are you looking for looking forward to watching the most to help this team? Oh, that's easy. Patrick Williams. Um, just to the fact that you know he had a very good solid rookie year and they only played 17 games last year. Okay. And in those 17 games, you know, he got hurt like in game five, you know, so you, we didn't really get a chance to see him, um, you know, play last year. I mean, he came off a great summer league where he led the summer league team in scoring rebounds, assists. So I felt like he, that was going to parlay into the next year and he's playing with good veterans. Um, The thing about Patrick, Patrick is oozing with talent, oozing with talent and ability. You know, the kid's only 20 years old Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's got just on just on his vitals alone, he's got all-star caliber player written on him. Okay. Now does whether he makes all-star, being all-star in this league depends on how hard he wants to work and his work ethic. Okay. But he's got all the intangibles. He he's he's got the ability to be a two-way player in this league. He's guarded some of the best players in the league on a nightly basis as a rookie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guard LeBron, you guard Kevin Durant, you guard Giannis as a rookie, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he showed that he could do it. And then, you know, he gets hurt his second year. He comes back, you know, he comes back, gets, you know, the playoffs in. He gets that big game against Minnesota the last game. And he showed you, he showed you. Anybody who watched that Minnesota game, uh, the last game of the year on the road, uh, if you saw that game and you saw the things Patrick Williams was doing as a Bulls fan, you got to be hyped. you got to be encouraged because mm-hmm. that kid put up 36 points, I think. I mean, and, you know, people are, oh, well, that was against Minnesota, second thing. No, it wasn't. Uh, Anthony Edwards was out there. You know, Patrick Beverly was out there. Uh, the only two people they set out were two people not in his position, Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. But the players, that the, the, their top six, top five or six players played in that game. And he, he, put, he put in work. You know, of course, we were missing Zach. Of course, we were missing DeMar. But he took that on and said, this is my team now. You know, and Boots was there. He, this is my team now. I'm going to go out there and do what I do. And it was funny because I, when we started the playoff, I said, you know, we want, we want Minnesota Timberwolf Pat, the dude who played against Minnesota in the, sure. in the playoffs. And if he does that, he's the Bulls wild card, you know, because you've got three established veterans already. 
Now you put that fourth guy in that's going to give you, let's say this gives you, you know, 15 and seven and some steals. Now you win in that series. You win that series. And so if you go back in that series with Patrick, I think the first game, I think he took one shot in that first game. And we end up losing, we end up losing by like short, like three points, something like that, five points. He only took one shot, you know, and then he learned. People told him, like, man, we we ain't gonna win this series unless you take, you know, multiple, multiple shots. You gotta take at least double digit shots, man. Mm -hmm. And so and be aggressive, take what gives it to you. So after that, he was a great. He had, I think, he had a couple of twenty-point games in there. Yeah. He ended up averaging almost thirteen points a game, like six or seven rebounds, mm-hmm. and uh, and had a really good playoff series. He had to guard Giannis, and he had a really good playoff series. Something to build on, confidence-wise, going into you know going into year four for him. And I expect mm-hmm. big things out of him this year. Yeah. You know, with Patrick, with Patrick Williams, um, and you, he's not aggressive, right? He's in the NBA, and people keep telling him to be aggressive. They are giving him the license to be aggressive. And and Dave and I kind of um, talked about this with Larry Marketing. With that, my position was that when you get to certain age, you can't change someone's personality, who they are. So right now, Patrick Williams seems like a guy. Right now, that's what he seems like, a guy who's just not aggressive, who doesn't want to shoot the ball 20 times a game, whatever. He just wants to be part of part of the team, and it's winning to be uh, whatever, whatever. Can you, as an NBA player, change the personality of who you are as a basketball player. You know, he's all the skills. He can do all that stuff. But does, can you change the guy's personality to the point where every game he wants to drop 25 points a game and be that guy? Yeah, you can. You can. You, you can and it, it comes with coaching. I, I liken it to, okay, say, for instance, like I always say about Patrick. Patrick is like a Ferrari. He's a Ferrari. He just don't know how to drive it. He don't know mm. which buttons. He don't know how to turn the car on. He don't know which gears to shift. He's stripping the gears. and He don't know nothing. Okay, but why would you give him that car if he was dad? You know, because you honestly feel like when he learned how to drive it, you're going to be a monster in this car. So I'm going to teach him how to drive it. As a father, you're going to teach him how to drive. You're going to teach him everything about the car. You're going to teach him which buttons go to where, how to shift. That's your job as a father. And it's the same thing as Billy Donovan as a coach. Sometimes there's guys like DeMar and Zach you don't have to tell to be aggressive. That's just who they are. But you got to coach everybody different. This what separates the great coaches from the average coaches. Mm-hmm. If I see a guy like Patrick Williams that may lack that confidence to, to go get it, mm-hmm. I got to bring it out of him. I got to bring it out of him. I got to tell him, you know, Patrick, I need you to shoot. I need you to get 18 tonight. I need you to shoot the ball. I need you to be aggressive. And you got to keep harping that to him until it's ingrained in him that he learns. Listen, Phil Jackson is one of the greatest coaches ever. And a lot of people don't give him credit because of the fact that, you know, you had Michael and Scotty and you just rolled the ball out. No, Phil was, Phil was, it wasn't even about X's and O's because it was about managing people. That's what makes a good coach is to know how to manage people, how to like, just like if you work a nine to five and you're in a company, you know, your project manager, your supervisor, you know, how well they convey the message to everybody and get everybody doing the same thing. Like for instance, in basketball, Phil Jackson may be able to yell at me and scream at me and say, Stacy, do it X, Y, Z and raise his voice. And then I go do it. I respond. But he may come at you, Chris, and yell at you. And you're like, man, why are you always picking on me, man? <laughs> and you may handle it totally different. You know what I'm saying? You may go introvert. You may go like sh- into a shell and mm-hmm. be quiet. And then all of a sudden your confidence is gone. Mm-hmm. You know, so now I got to come at you different because Chris is different than Stacy. I recognize that. I can't yell at 
Chris, like I yell at Stacy. Stacy responds because he grew up in a military household, blah, 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 blah. So he can handle it. Chris may not be able to handle it. So I got to come to Chris and I got to say, Chris, you're doing a great job. I got to reinforce the things that you should already know. Chris, you're doing a great job. I want you to keep going to the hole. Hey, listen, I know you missed a couple layups. Don't, hey, you got to drive to the basket, finish stronger. You know, go fight through that, get to the foul line. I got to encourage you. That's what a good coach does. A good coach recognizes which guys need a little bit more nurturing and which guys need a little bit more kick in the butt. And that's the difference between coaching. That's one thing I learned from Phil. When I coached in the CBA for five years, that's why I used to do my players. And players respect you that way. You know what I'm saying? You're not. But the one thing we have in common, like I may coach you differently, but the one thing that we do have in common that everybody on the team has in common, we got the same rules. Mm. Okay. Same rules. You don't be late for practice. You, you, if the star player is late, I'm getting on him. Like I'm getting on the 12th man. If the, if the, if the 12th man late, I'm getting on him. Okay. But, but if, if the star player late and I'll never check him and never hold him accountable. And then you see me getting on the, 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 the 12th or 11th man, them dudes are going to shut down. They're going to, they're going to turn it off. They're going to be like, man, this dude always on me, but he don't never say none to them. Hmm. If he missed an assignment defensively, Coach don't never get on him, but he get on me. And that's how you lose your players. You got to coach everybody the same to a certain extent. We got mm-hmm. the same rules. You have the same responsibility. If Chris, if you're supposed to rotate on the baseline and, and cut that dribble penetration off, just like I'm supposed to do it. And if I don't do it, coach, take me out, sit me on, the, on my butt saying, hey, you didn't rotate. Somebody else in there. I can't. All right, cool. But then if I see you, Chris, go over there and you don't do it and you still playing, you still got 35 minutes in the game, I'm mad because he just did the same thing I did. So you ain't coaching us the same. The rules are different for different people. Mm. And that's one thing I can say about Phil. He was great at managing people. He held Michael Jordan accountable. Uh, Michael Jordan held himself accountable. So when you're superstar players, if your top three players on your team are your hardest workers, everybody else falls in line. Mm. If your top, If your top three players are guys who cut corners, guys who don't put the work in, then everybody else follows. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And because as a young player, you're only watching what the veteran players do. Right. I mean, you know, right now, Patrick Williams is in L.A. You know, right. he's getting, right. he getting up every day at 5 in the morning working out with mm-hmm. DeMar DeRozan. Sure. You know, they're getting up, with, and they're not playing around. They got a schedule. You're up at 5. We, you know, we're going to stretch. We're going to work out. We're going to have breakfast. We're going to lift weights. We're coming back at 1 o'clock and do X, Y, Z. And then you go home at 5 o'clock. And so Patrick is learning from a veteran of how to be a pro. Stacy, um, with this draft coming up for this Bulls team and everything like that, what is the position of need for you that the Bulls uh, should be looking to fill? Is it another big man? Is it three-point shooting? Is it something on defense? What, what do you think the Bulls should be looking at for this draft? I think, I think the key for them right now is uh, drafting the best available player at that draft, a guy that's, that's basketball ready. Not a guy that you're going to sit and say, we got to develop him for three or four years. Uh, I think you got to get a guy who can fit your system, that can come in, and whether it be, you know, a guy like uh, uh, Liddell from Ohio State yes. will be there. Uh, uh, the kid from LSU, the wing player from LSU. Yeah, Tari uh, Eason. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. you got you got a couple of guys there. Uh, and there's going to be some guys that are supposed to be just like Io. Io was supposed to be a top 15 player last year. What happened? Io slips to the second round. So we get a first round talent in the second round. So every year the draft is like that, Dave. So you may have a guy that's scheduled to go top 10 
And for some reason, someone put something out there on him and he slide all the way to 18. So now the Bulls say, whoa, we got to take this guy now because this guy was a top 10 pick. We had him up. We had a high grade on him. And now he failed to us. We've taken him. That's real. All right, Stace, I don't want to keep you too long because we, we done had you almost three hours, man. I appreciate you. But I want to ask you one final question. And this is a I got random, a it's a random yeah, ass yeah. question. You got a, you got a question, Chris? Okay. Yeah, I got a question. Because I can't I can't have Stacey on here and not talk about not talk, talk about my boy Scottie Pippen, my favorite player. Okay. So okay. You, you gotta you gotta go on the long 10 minute rant and that, but just your thoughts. I just want to know in general general uh about Scotty as a player and a teammate. And uh to where to where, you know, just sort of like you know, he's in the media, of course, a lot lately, you know, and yeah. whatnot. I'm just curious about this being a teammate of his doing the championships and whatnot to what he is now. Well, I'm going to tell you what, Scotty's the best teammate I ever played with. And then you ask anybody on those championship teams, they'll tell you the one guy on our team that is irreplaceable, the one guy on our team that we that we look for leadership and look for guidance was Scotty. And he was that kind of guy. And uh, I love Scott. I'm a ride or die Pippen guy. So, you know, I know lately, um, you know, in the, in the media, he's been kind of, you know, putting situations out there that's getting people to question, you know, where he's at, what he's doing. Is he drinking too much digit or whatever? <laughs> you know, uh, Pippen's an proof. emotional guy. Yeah, but 90 proof. Yeah, he, he might, that might be some moonshine. You feel um, me? <laughs> so, so that, that's that bootleg version. They hey, drive man. across the state border. Um, <laughs> but I love, I, I, honestly, I love Pip, man. I'm a ride or die with Pip. I got nothing bad to say about Pip. Um, I understand where Pip is coming from in certain extents because Pip is an emotional guy. Pippin is, is Scotty's one of the guys that he has no filter. He's mm. never has. Okay. Mm. And he's going to say what's on his mind and he don't care what you think or how you feel about it. And sometimes, as you know, Dave, as you know, in this business, you in the media field, you know, you got to watch what you say sometimes. You know what I'm saying? You might have a thought on something, but you may have to rephrase it a different way so it doesn't come out a certain way. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yes, and sir. now we live in cancel culture and all that stuff. And yes, you, know, you just got to watch what you say. But Scotty's always been this way, unfiltered. And, you know, I, I just wish that, you know, he would not have come out. And, and you know, I know his book, he was selling this book and everything. Um, I just wish that if he if he felt this way about MJ, that he handled it inside and, uh, you know, went to MJ personally, because listen, no, nothing anyone else can do can take away that Scotty's a top 75 player of all time. There's nothing anyone can say. There's no, you know, if you want to try to bump him off with players, there's no way you can do that. Mm-hmm. Scotty is etched in, if you, I mean, Scotty is etched in stone. If worst case scenario, he's going to, he's going to go down as one of the top two small forwards in the history of the game. Okay, because LeBron will be considered a small force. So he'll be right behind LeBron James. So um, I I just wish that, you know, Pip would have went and handled that inside. You know, I mean, you could you could write a book or whatever you want. That's his his preference. And I'm not hating him on that, you know, but you're not going to win that argument about MJ. You're not. I mean, no matter what who you are or what you've accomplished in your life. You know, if 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 Bill Winnington says something negative about MJ, we Bill Winnington's going to get stoned to death you know what i'm saying <laughs> will purdue will purdue scott williams stacy king any of us you know go and you know no matter what we know on the inside like we're never going to talk bad about a teammate because what goes on in behind those doors stays you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. that's why you'll never see me write a book about the championship years i, I don't want that's personal you know that's just like 
what goes on in your house stays in your house, you know, with your family. You know, you don't want everybody to know what's going on in your house. So that's the same thing in sports. You know, you keep everything close to the vest. And I think Scotty's feelings were hurt a little bit on the last dance, how he was betrayed. And I, I, I understand why he was upset because, you know, the 1.8 seconds yeah. that when he didn't go in the game, MJ wasn't part of that team, had nothing to do with the second three-peat. You know, if mm-hmm. you want to talk about the contract and all that, all that was going on during the three-peat. But, you know, the, the migraine headaches was brought up again. And, you know, things that, it, it, that Scotty took a beating on, you know, from the public when all that happened, the migraine headache, people calling him soft. And, you know, I don't know if you guys ever had a migraine headache. Um, I, have, I have people that have experienced that, and they said it ain't no joke. And I mm-hmm. saw Scotty. Scotty was in tears. His head was hurting so bad. Uh, double vision. So that, that was real and legit. And he tried to go like he took a shot and he saw double rim, you know, and, mm-hmm. and he missed the, he missed the shot so bad. You like, is he really seeing double? Cause it, it did. I mean, you don't, you never seen a guy miss a shot that yeah. bad, especially a guy so highly skilled as Scotty was, um, you know, then the 1.8 seconds, you know, not going in Kukos hitting the shot, all that was brought up in the last dance. It really didn't need to be brought up in the last dance. And then the contract situation, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, Scotty should have been the second highest paid player on that team, you know, behind MJ. There was four or five players, six players ahead of Scotty uh, ahead of time. And I've always said this about MJ. You know, MJ came back and MJ should always been the highest paid player in team sports. It didn't matter football, baseball, basketball for the for the reason, simple reason how much he generates to the league, not just the Chicago Bulls and their brand. But the NBA in general, he should always been the highest. Nobody should make more money than Michael. I've always said that. And Michael, you know, was always underpaid. And when he came back the second time, he finally kind of got the money that he deserved. You know, when he signed those one year deals at 30 million a season, whatever. You know, I always thought that, you know, that MJ probably should have went in just to keep everyone happy. Because MJ making three hundred million off the court, that thirty million don't mean nothing to MJ as far as salary wise. Okay, MJ is a billionaire now, so that little thirty million didn't mean anything to him. I felt like you know maybe he should have went in and said, "Hey, look, here's the deal. When I come back, you know, you guys are offering me thirty million or thirty-five million a season. How about we do this? How about I take twenty-five and you give that that tens, you know, and, and trickle it down the lineup? Scotty should be the second highest paid." So whatever Scotty's making, throw that, throw that ten million on his, and and then keep keep the apple cart happy. And uh, MJ never did it, and no. you know. But but listen, listen, it's easy for me to say he should have done it, yeah. you know. But at the same time, you know, you know that's his money. You know, he earned mm-hmm. it, he deserved it, and that was his choice. But I, I just felt like when you're making three hundred million off the court. And thirty million is like twenty five dollars to you, you know. You maybe, you know, you know that's a lot to me, you and, and Chris. But yeah, yeah. To, to MJ with all the stuff he got, he you know he got uh, underwear commercials on. He's making thirty million, you know, one hundred twenty four hundred million off the court, you know. So mm-hmm. trickle that down to trickle that down to the rest of your teammates to keep the keep the players happy. Real talk. All right, mm-hmm. Stace. Final question for you. Uh, like I said, this is a very random one. The reason we call our show Bow. Like we're saying ball, B-A-L-L. Yeah. But it's spelled B-A-W-L. The reason we call it that is because it's an homage to Avery Johnson. Because we mm-hmm. love Avery Johnson and how he talks and how he speaks. <laughs> how he talks. Like how he talks. <laughs> yeah. With the yeah, bow. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yes, sir. <laughs> just like that. So I wanted to add you if you had an Avery Johnson story for us, like if you played with him, if you've seen him play, is there something random about our guy Avery Johnson that you can give us? Oh, man. I, well, just I think the funniest thing is just the way he talks. You know, yeah. I mean, like he's really Southern. You know, he's really yeah. from the South. Uh, that's the number one thing that stands out about Avery. Um, and the fact that, you know, Avery played with a big heart, man. Like he was as a player, you know, uh, he was small in stature, but man, he, he had a big heart, dude. Didn't back down from anybody. Um, he was a leader. You know, he led those, those first team, you know, yeah. You know, David Robinson and, and Tim Duncan going to get a lot of the credit, but if it wasn't for, you know, somebody has got to be the glue of that team. Someone's got to be the heart and soul of that team. And Avery Johnson, I always felt was the was the heart and soul of that team. I used to call him Adam Ant, you know, Adam <laughs> Ant, a little super. Remember back in the day, a little cartoon yes, Adam Ant, yeah, like absolutely. super strong. Yeah, he, he, I used to call him Adam Ant. He'd be like, he'd be like, Stacy, Stacy, that ain't funny. And you know, with a little draw, little country draw. But that's my boy, Adam Ant. That's my boy. Yeah, man, appreciate that. That is the legend himself, Stacey King. You can follow him on Twitter at Stacey21King. Make sure you get some of his hot sauce to give me the hot sauce. Get you some of that. And also check out the podcast he does with our guy, Mark Janowski, the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. He's had some of everything and everybody on that podcast. Uh, Stacey, this has been incredible. We thank you for coming on, man. This has just been a blast having you on, bro. Hey, Dave and Chris, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. You know, Dave, I'm, I'm we, we boys and stuff. You know, I'm, 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 I'm expecting my check in the mail too. By the way. <laughs> oh, it's it's coming! It's, it's coming by Pony Express. By Pony Express. Yo, 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 Dave. You know, hey, Chris. You know, you know, Dave is Dave. Dave is making sure we got friendship. He got me on his other show too. I did I'm on right. Two shows. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, within a week. Within a week. Within a week, Chris, I was on there. Hey, stay. I was like, damn, Dave is stretching our friendship out big time. <laughs> I don't know how long, hey, stay. I don't know how long my head is. I got to take it while I got it, man. Nah, I got to take it while I got man. it. You know, my, you, know, you know you're my boy, man. The outsiders, baby. I wish yes, they bring y'all back. I wish they bring y'all back. Y'all have hey, good man. insight, man. I appreciate that. That means a lot, Stacey. Y'all, y'all, should, y'all, should, y'all should start y'all podcast as the outsider. That's what y'all should have done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because y'all got a fan base already. Y'all got a, already yeah. a fan base. And that was just rolled right into it, boy. Y'all should. Yeah. yeah, should, yeah y'all trust me. It, that, man. It, it wasn't on us, Stacey. Trust me. We wanted, we wanted yeah, to do our I know. thing. It wasn't on us. Bro. Yeah. They, I, I know. I, I know, man. Because it's like, I know how hard a podcast is and I know how hard it is yeah. to get started. So uh, you guys do a great job, man. And and anytime I can come on the show, man, you'll have me on the show. I'll be happy to come on. Appreciate it, man. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Ball Sports. Follow Chris at Ball Sports 1. Get all the hoodies. I'm going to get you a hoodie, Stacey. Get our hoodies. Oh, uh, baby. At ballsports.com <laughs> slash store. Uh, Chris, anything else? Uh, yeah, I just can't believe that Stacey King is actually on my podcast. Yeah. Come on, Chris. I, I Chris, just remember Stacey, I remember the days we'd be, we'd be in uh, Dave's basement, clowning the bulls by house. <laughs> <laughs> Not in a million years. I think I have a podcast. Stacey King will be on there. Like, hey, I mean, listen, man. Listen, man. I, hey, listen, man. I, I, I appreciate. I'm a, I'm a man of the people, man. You know, I'm down to earth, you know, and uh, like I said, Dave's good dude, man. Like, you know, we go yeah. back to our Comcast days, you know, <laughs> after the games and stuff, you know. And so uh, I was it was awesome how they put that, you know, that group together. And mm-hmm. it's good to see them. It's good to see them, you know, that even though they stopped doing the outsiders on Comcast, that they're doing other things. And that opened doors for him to do other things, which is awesome. So you guys got a great podcast. I appreciate you having me on. And, you know, 
you know, Dave, since you're going to give me the uh, the hoodie, man, you know, I don't turn nothing down but my collar. Yes, sir, I know this. No, I know no, this, Dave. I just want to throw that out there. I just want to throw that out there. I got so, you. I know, caught it. Throw it in. I caught know, it, Stacey. Yeah, you, you know me. Randy yeah, Moss, you know Stace. me. Hey, hey, you know me. I, sometimes, sometimes I go back to going back to the old neighborhood, baby. I got to, I got to, hey, if it's free, it's for me, baby. <laughs> I got you, King. I got you, Stace. I got you, bro. All right. Y'all boys, y'all stay legends. up, man. Appreciate, appreciate you having you, me bro. on. Yes, sir. That's Stacey right. King. I'm Big Dave. That's Chris. We out, y'all. That's bow. Peace. Bow. Ha, ha, ha.